Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, Westside Personalized Podcast is back again this week, and we're excited to have a conversation with our personalized learning collaborators, which honestly is a conversation that was brought on by an email that I received recently from uh, Ronald. In, uh, he teaches in Pennsylvania, North Penn School District. Uh, and so, Ronald, uh, this podcast is for you, I guess, and for anyone else that has the same question that you have. And so I'm going to read through the email that you sent in and try to address that question with my fellow personalized learning collaborators here who we'll introduce in just a moment. So Ronald asks, or here's his, here's his email, I've been listening to your podcast on personalized learning and becoming a quick fan. I've been asked to take a learning coach role this year, and I'm the lead on personalized learning. Based on your podcast, it seems like personalized learning has become part of the culture at Westside. And I'm curious to know, how did you start your journey with personalized learning, and how have you been able to maintain that culture? Um, that's a question that, uh, yeah, we're going to try to address today, um, individually, and then also sort of collectively as a, uh, an initiative within Westside. And so I'm uh, excited today to welcome uh, my co-personalized learning collaborators, Kristen Hogan, Katie Sint. Uh, I'm going to let them kind of introduce themselves here uh, as we get the podcast started. So who wants to go first? Kristen Hogan here. Um, I came from a background of high school math where I had the opportunity to teach a kind of a variety of levels of learners. I taught one of our junior, senior algebra two courses, which is our bottom tier level course for students who typically struggle with math and have maybe failed one or more classes along the course of their high school career, and then also an honors geometry course, which catches incoming freshmen who have excelled in the area of math. And I would say I had the chance with our district to start as one of the three cohort groups that we had come through who kind of defined personalized learning. And at that particular time, I was one of the more resistant individuals in the room, and I kind of sat back there and thought, there is no way this is ever going to work in a high school math classroom. Like, are you guys crazy? And over the course of the next three years, being able to participate in that year one cohort group, I kind of looked at myself and said, Kristen, come on, like try something. And my entry point was starting with reviews and finding ways in hindsight to really differentiate them. And that kind of started to evolve into an approach that gave more voice and choice to my students. And I got to the place where it's really the only way that we can afford to do education. It's what's going to reach every learner in the classroom. Awesome. Yeah. And so your experience up to this point now, you're almost in year five with this work. This is year five. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Cool. And so going from that experience, uh, we're going to kick it over to Katie Sint and hear a little bit about her backstory leading into this this role that she currently has. So this is my 22nd year at Westside, all the years at Westside. 16 of those years were a sixth grade teacher. So in the classroom, I saw a lot of differences between students and what they needed. And I did a lot of differentiation during those years, which led me into my role as a gifted coordinator about, well, let's see, it would be about six years ago, that I spent four years doing that. And the gifted coordinators here at Westside, that's really what we do is personalization. We um, take our students and we find ways to enrich their learning. And we provided lots of resources for teachers to help them do that as well. 
But the difference between that and what I'm doing now is we didn't really have time to sit down with the teachers and work one-on-one -on -one with the teachers. We were more just providing an, uh, a place where they could go get those resources themselves. So that's been a little bit of a transition with this role is I'm still doing sort of the same thing, but working more on the teacher's end and one-on-one -on -one with them. Nice. And uh, I guess to kind of give my backstory a little bit, I as a, so well, 10 years ago now, which makes me feel kind of old, <laughs> um, 10 years ago now, as a going to be, I was entering my third year of teaching, and I was anticipating this unit that was coming up uh, to kickstart our spring semester with uh, English. I, I was an English teacher prior to being in this role, and so I had English 12, so I had my seniors in that class, uh, and in the previous two years, we'd gone through a packet of questions uh, and a novel that the students weren't incredibly engaged with and I just knew that something needed to change in the approach to that and so um, my idea at the, to begin with because at the time differentiation was a buzzword and something to kind of aspire to try to do and I thought to myself well wouldn't it be great if there was an opportunity for students to be able to control the pace at which they went through this novel at how early they were able to get to assignments uh, and then if they got through that stuff in a pretty you know timely fashion had some extension opportunities to further their learning and just go deeper with things if time allowed. And so I put together an entire unit design, uh, kind of built that over the course of like November, December and through winter break that was really going to do just that, that we would spend about the first week together as a class and then I would uh, kick out all the assignments for the duration of the quarter, which is how long we typically went through that particular novel uh, and just had everything ready to go on the front end. And that all sounded great and it was going to work really well. Students would have control of pace and have some flexibility. And then when the semester started uh, and I got my numbers for that particular semester, there was an error with the counseling department where they had not accounted for the special education population in each of my classes. And so I had a, between two and four students in each class that were sitting on the floor uh, in the smallest classroom in the building, which is the one I taught in. And so with kind of this logistical issue of space and how do we even facilitate this thing that I'd spent so much time working on when there's not even enough desks, uh, I was venting one day to our media center specialist, uh, Robin Schrack um, at Gardner-Edgerton High School. Great, great teacher, great um, media center specialist. She's fantastic. And as I was venting, she said, well, why don't you bring your class down here? And I was like, well, Robin, we would have to do this every day. Uh, and so through some conversations back and forth, what I ended up doing was checking out the library <laughs> for an entire quarter. And uh, when we moved to that space where there were couches and there were tables to work at and places for individuals to sort of isolate themselves and, and really focus on the work they were doing, we had side rooms where I had a co-teacher in every class that was a kind of a resource teacher, a special education teacher who would facilitate groups in those side rooms. We had, were not one-to-one -one at the time, but there were desktop stations in the media center that we were able to leverage. And so being able to allow this sort of flexible, go at your own pace uh, with some differentiation model in that type of learning environment and space uh, gave me really four years worth of practice on, hey, how does this look? How do you start to support students um, when they take ownership of this? What struggles are they going to find? And then I moved uh, to Omaha, Nebraska and came to Westside and was really fortunate to get a job uh, at Westside. But when you go from an 80-minute class period to a 35-minute class period, things are really different. And so I wasn't able that first year to do a whole lot with kind of that model that I had started just because our media center didn't hold that and there really wasn't the, the time to kind of move to a different location. And so I kind of ran into just some mental roadblocks about how this would look. 
And then in year two of being uh, in the district, I, along with Kristen, was asked to be part of this personalized learning cohort one. And we had no idea really what personalized learning was. Uh, and went through a six-day training with Jim Rickabaugh, who is, I would say, one of the national gurus and of someone who just really has done a lot of work with personalized learning kind of from the start of it as a buzzword. We just want to call it that. Uh, he is centered out of Wisconsin with the CISA One organization up there. They host a yearly conference um, called the National Convening on Personalized Learning that's in its ninth year this year. Uh, and so he came out and spoke to us about a lot of theory and we got a lot of why and the backstory behind personalized learning uh, over a six-day span of time. Uh, and the one thing that Jim did was he intentionally did not give us examples so that we could sort of make sure that we allowed this to sort of grow in our own district in the way that uh, would be kind of unique to us and we wouldn't be sort of pigeonholed in with this is the only way to personalize. Uh, and that sort of made for a slow start, I would say. Uh, I'll kick it to Kristen here and ask, yeah. would you agree that, like, I, I was excited. This is maybe the contrast to bring yeah. up. I was like, yes, this sounds really similar to what I was doing in Kansas, and I can get back to this, and I, I have the green light now to do stuff, and my mind was already, like, running with all the things we could potentially do, because I implemented a, uh, an entire unit within, like, a month and a half of going to this training, and at the other end of the spectrum, I'm like in the I'm like in the corner saying there's no way. Um, and I'm like, just give me an example. You can't give me an example, then I can't do it. Um, but taking a step back and saying, okay, let's let's figure out a way that we can start to build choices in, that we can still meet the standards that are defined in our curriculum, and that we can give students more control. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the turning point. Yeah. And I love that it was sort of a grassroots movement too. That was. Again, six days, but the, this was a group of about 30 educators that um, administrators sort of picked as being people they thought would be willing to try something new. Uh, and so that group of 30 met uh, over the course of that year and just got things started. And as Kristen mentioned earlier, there was a year two cohort uh, that kind of came back, another 30 teachers, and let's expose them to this. That group had a little more direction with regards to some examples that were provided uh, because year one had done some things in the classroom. And so I know I got a chance to come back and share uh, some of the things that I implemented in my English classroom. Yeah, and I came back and shared too, which was, I think, a helpful starting place. But even to where we are now, I think it's it's really hard from the facilitator side to not just jump in and tell them what it looks like. <laughs> right. Because that's what you naturally want to do. But then again, you're going to pigeonhole them. And I wouldn't have gotten to the place that I did if I had had those examples because personalized learning in my classroom didn't look like it did in other classrooms. Exactly. And year two, I think the biggest takeaway that came from our initiative was to say, okay, let's identify some personalized learning elements because there needed to be some structure to start to drive you towards where you could find like places to begin, uh, but not to get so specific that what you're talking about, Kristen, like would come up. Yeah. <laughs> that would be uh, would be so specific and pigeonhole that you would you'd kind of limit what teachers were able to do. And so uh, we created our five elements, which we talk about in the podcast all the time with knowing your learner, making data-informed decisions, uh, implementing voice and choice, tech integration, and also like flexibility with regards to mindset, groups, and space. Uh, and those five are kind of unique to us, but I think that those as educational principles, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going, those are not like revelations. Knowing your learner has always been, you know, a valuable part of the educational experience, but it's the personalization of knowing your learners and, the, and how are you using data to make data informed decisions that also include personalization. And to have students make those decisions on behalf of their learning in the classroom as well. Absolutely. And that's where it shifts like as it evolves over time. Right. 
So from there, then, I guess to kind of continue our story, right? We get through year two where now we have a little bit of direction for these entry points. We have another 30 educators that are out doing the work across our district. And year three, I had a chance to actually be involved in pretty much every one of those days that they showed up for that cohort. Uh, and there were a lot more examples. And I think that that just sort of made for the richest learning experience for that group. Uh, there were six days for our cohort, four for cohort two, and three uh, for cohort number three. And they actually got to go out in cohort number three and see examples in buildings. Yeah, and live in the classroom. Yeah, so good. Um, which then kind of cued the start of this initiative. And so, Katie, I'll kick it to you for a quick minute. Uh, do you want to kind of set up the grant that we received and kind of how this sort of grew a little bit out of that? So, Westside applied for a grant through the Nebraska Department of Education. Uh, it's called the I-3. Innovation grant. Yeah, I3 Innovation. I3 Innovation grant. And so that grant allowed for the three of us to be, the R3 positions to be created. So we, our salaries are currently being paid out of the grant for this two-year period. So it was last school year and then this upcoming school year. It also allowed for us to travel to some conferences to see um, other people across the country doing personalized learning and what it looks like in other districts across the country. And it has allowed for the creation of our website and I, it was great last, well, I guess two summers ago now, for us to be able to sit down and really just build this out from a practitioner's standpoint about what we'd like to see this look like for teachers as we start to introduce them to personalized learning. Because again, we're, we're only having, we only had about 100 teachers in the district that even had any sort of formal training on this whatsoever. And so the goal for us at the time was to get every teacher in our district uh, trained on these personalized learning elements uh, to provide an experience that both uh, gave that why, that background, but also some more specific examples and uh, pertaining to those different elements uh, to model some of those practices in the midst of our uh, training day. And then from there to just support teachers through collaboration, which is why we are we chose the title Personalized Learning Collaborators so that we could be kind of seen as those brainstormers and someone's just going to come in and work uh, on creating ideas and content with uh, our teachers. And in order to do that, one of the things that we sort of set aside, I think a good portion of the grant funds for, uh, was guest teachers, uh, for us substitute teachers, maybe for other uh, districts. And so that looked like, hey, uh, what would it look like for us to allocate four hours or a half a day for every teacher in the district to take uh, to start to build, to dream big, uh, and to build these personalized learning you know, lessons, procedures, uh, particularly units, which seems to be where a lot of people are starting to go now. Uh, and it's been exciting to just get a chance to implement this K-12 uh, and start to figure out what personalized learning looks like in you know, welding and pottery and swimming and sixth grade math and kindergarten and just all the different uh, uh, takes that people have. And right now, where are we at kind of on our training with everyone, Kristen, as far as how many people in the district? And Because we're halfway through our process right now. Well, we're about three-fourths completely trained, and um, we're in a position that we're going to run seven trainings this school year, which we'll be able to include some out-of-district attendees as well. And at that point, um, we are set up so that our new educator group that is run in our district will pick up and be able to train in year two everyone who from this point on joins the Westside team. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing up in the midst of that, too, that we're going to have some open spots. And so I would say for a couple different trainings that we have left this year, if you're a Nebraska educator and are listening to this podcast, feel free to contact us because we have some free PD spots. If you want to go through our personalized learning training with us at Westside, 
Uh, we'd love to have you, and we already have districts from all over the state, really, that mm-hmm. have uh, reached out up to this point and looking forward to hosting those uh, individuals. And some of the work that we're doing currently, I guess, so I'm going to kind of throw that question out to everybody here. Like, where do you sort of see us right now as like a focus for maybe you in particular in furthering this work in our district? Katie, are you okay with starting up? Yeah, that's fine. So um, this year, I'm trying to be a little bit of a bridge between the gifted education teachers as well as our initiative. Because really, like I said previously when I introduced myself uh, as a gifted educator, that's personalization is what we did. We just didn't get the chance to work with teachers as much. So we're trying to kind of pull those two teams together. But within that work, I'm at a couple of different schools a week that are title schools, title buildings, who have enough going on that they hadn't really reached out to us a whole lot to collaborate with us. So I'm here now and I'm already um, setting up some collaborations with a couple of different teachers that know that they have access to me a couple of days a week. So that's where that's kind of where I'm going right now. Yeah, and you've also been working a little bit too with kind of the PLP initiative in our mm-hmm. district also, which is a focus of the grant uh, is to try to get something developed and I don't know, kind of out there for people to, to use and utilize in their own district. So uh, where do you kind of see that work, I guess, going or where is it currently and where, what direction do you hope it heads over the course of this next year? Well, last year we formed a group of teachers to help us look at, and most of them were previous cohort, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, to look at the PLP or personal learner profile and talk about what it, we would want it to look like and questions and pieces of it that would be um, appropriate for teachers to utilize and for students to take control of. So that group met and then we had some creation done of the learner preferences side of it. So what we're at right now is trying to figure out how to pull in the data piece from Illuminate mm-hmm. and PowerSchool so that it's just one nice, neat page that um, teachers and students can look at and know the data from whether it's personal data, whether it's learner preferences, goals, interests, hopes, talents, and then obviously test scores. So that's kind of where we're going right now. Oh, and making that functional so that, like you mm-hmm. said, so that not only the teacher is aware of those things, but even probably more importantly that the students have access and are making decisions based upon the information that's recorded there uh, that's accessible to them. And that, right. that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges with that. It, it is. That's one of the, absolutely one of the biggest challenges because then it, the question becomes, are there two separate ones? You know, how much data can the student see? And how much do the teachers not want them to, you know, what do they want to be have access to? So definitely it's super important and we need to keep in the forefront of our mind this, that ultimately this is created for the students and not, not just for the teachers. Yeah. Um, I would say like currently for where I'm going with things and I, I like to dabble in a lot of stuff, I think all of us do, <laughs> but uh, I love sharing these stories because teacher, the teacher example portion was for many of our colleagues, I think the linchpin into actually practicing some of the stuff in the classroom. Like give me an example. Maybe I won't emulate that exactly, but that sort of helps me at least wrap my mind around what it, what's possible or what could be. And so whether that's creating uh, podcast content, which you can access obviously on our westsidepersonalized.com website or the iTunes, which maybe you listen to now, right? Uh, on iTunes, the Westside Personalized podcast, uh, it's a great way for us to sort of showcase some of the awesome work that our teachers are doing. Uh, in addition to that, one of the things we encourage teachers to do with our initiative is to go and observe their peers. And so I'm looking forward to over the next couple of months here being pretty busy filling in as a guest teacher for um, short stints of time to allow our teachers to go into other, so at the elementary level, let's just say other buildings uh, to see what different teams are doing with personalized learning uh, across our district. Or there is a group at the middle school who teaches English that were very interested in sending one of their teammates down to see sixth grade and the other to go and see ninth grade and then come back and collaborate so that they could better understand some of the conversations and the demands of those students 
uh, both coming into their course and then where they're going to go next, which was really cool. Uh, and so, yeah, just being able to connect the dots, connect resources, uh, connect stories and people so that we can all get better because of the work that we're all sort of mutually invested in versus doing this all kind of in silos and isolation uh, is something that I think is really important that I've tried to, I know we all have, like invest more time in. So, uh, Kristen, where do you kind of see yourself staying busy and, and moving the needle a little bit? Yeah, I think this year um, my focus is really going to be still at those entry-level teachers, helping every teacher that has come through training find their entry point to how they can personalize learning in their classroom. And that could be done with individuals or with teams. I spent a lot of time last year through my collaborations helping teachers design things that they could use in their classroom, which is part of what we do, but getting to the place where I can start to not only help them build, but help them learn how they could build. Um, and so sharing that responsibility and getting them to the place where they could design on their own, I think will be more of a focus. I think um, my secondary focus will be talking about how we're gonna measure data upfront. So how will we know if this activity has really impacted students the way that we can observe, like what, what can we actually look at to show or to measure the impact that it's had in our classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, and in, in addition to all those initiatives, we're still brainstorming with teachers, we're still helping to create resources, and so when we collaborate, uh, we try to take a little bit of the responsibility of building the tech piece out or helping with a handout or a worksheet or, or building, I know um, Katie's built a website at times as a resource for teachers. and. Just whatever we can do, kind of jack of all trades in some regards, or I call us a educational tool belt. <laughs> and even like at this point, we're more so connecting resources mm -hmm. because I think over the last year, I've gained such an awareness of what exists in our district and even sure. out of our district that teachers can tap into and use that's good for our kids. I think it's important too to know that we are really at the teacher's discretion how they want to use us. So it could be co-teaching. We've gone and done some co-teaching just to kind of help the teachers have an extra body in the room or to feel a little bit more comfortable with whatever it is they're trying to implement. Yeah, and those are fun. That's mm -hmm. a, it's a good experience, yeah. I think, for us to be able to go in there too. And so to kind of maybe put a bow on all of this and really what we hope will put a bow on the entire two-year uh, grant that we're invested in currently. And, and I think our district sees personalized learning or at least uh, a lot of these practices extending past this, this two-year window. But the grant is going to culminate uh, with a Westside Personalized Summit next summer. Uh, and when I say summer, we're really talking May, May 29th and 30th, so right as school gets out uh, for us after Memorial Day, where we're going to host uh, really as many teachers as we can fit in our auditorium. So hopefully, you know, up to a thousand. So we'll just kind of like shoot for the moon a little bit with saying that. Uh, but we're all very busy right now behind the scenes um, trying to orchestrate all the pieces necessary to be able to facilitate that event where we're bringing in national speakers, uh, reached out to some teachers in Wisconsin who have done some work uh, with personalized learning through, I mean, for quite some time through the CESA initiative. Um, and so shout outs to CESA and the Institute for Personalized Learning uh, that we've worked with up there. We have two, uh, really three, I guess, sister schools that have been invested in this work, but primarily Edina, Minnesota. And so we're going to have some of our uh, teammates from up there down to present and be a part of that event and also Manhattan Beach, California. 
and some educators from Texas too. I know that really just kind of this past summer kind of got on board with us a little bit more. And so we essentially bringing in speakers from all over the place, practitioners, folks that are, you know, from our own district even that have put together fantastic examples uh, and looking forward to just showcasing those. And it has been a little bit of work. It's been kind of interesting. Yeah. Another learning curve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To like build this out. So um, what are your kind of aspirations or hopes for uh, this summit, or what would you kind of say you're maybe most interested in as we get to that? Kristen, you want to start? I think I'm just excited to see the array of content areas and examples because I think attending an event that is directed at what this looks like in our classroom and how you how different ways you can implement it, I think is eye opening because you could step into one session and see something gamified. In the next session, you could step in and see. Uh, way that station rotation was utilized. And then you could walk out of both of those and have an idea to bridge the two that's going to better meet the needs in your classroom. And so I think being able to just pull different examples and get creative ideas. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's it. I'll piggyback off that and say that you go to conferences sometimes and there's a lot of theory. Um, mm-hmm. And we certainly will have some opportunities for that for people that are just getting started. But for folks that are really at that place where, okay, I'm ready to I understand why we're doing this. I'm behind this idea of maybe elements and, and what that would look like, you know, in our district or within my classroom. Just just show me how this teacher did it. And, oh, that's crazy, you know, to think that you did this in a social studies context. And even though I'm a math teacher, I can still steal part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm with you. I would have, I'm envisioning at least that probably 80% of our speakers, if not more, uh, are going to be individuals sharing classroom-tested, learner-approved, as I always say on the podcast, examples that will be very valuable for anyone coming to that our conference looking to take those kind of things away. I think another aspect or something to keep in mind if um, you're coming down to attend is don't rule out sessions based on levels. So what I mean by that is as a high school math teacher, some of my best ideas came from primary level professional development or seeing examples in K-6 classrooms, and I never thought that I would walk into a second grade classroom and find something that applied, but holy cow, some of my best ideas came from that second grade classroom Mm -hmm. that I was able to scale up and get rolling with. Yeah, and so I'm just, I could not be more excited for those two days when they get here for us to be able to share so much of uh, the work that our educators have done, uh, that our sister schools and really friends uh, in other districts have, have put together over years of implementation as well. And so if you're at all interested, we will start to promote this, I would guess, in the upcoming months here before winter break and give you an opportunity to sign up. What's crazy is, so if you're still listening to the podcast, <laughs> uh, $75 for two days. for two, And that's not each day, $75 for the whole thing, and we'll provide lunch. So um, it might be a little bit more than that by the time we kind of get the taxes and everything on top of it. But essentially, that's kind of been our, our goal, our target, I guess, for what we're going to ask uh, for attendees. We just want to promote the people be here. So uh, look for that information to come out. And yeah, that's really going to be, as we said, kind of the, the end celebration, I think, of this, this two-year span of time to really uh, put a bow on the whole experience and just say that again. So if you have one kind of like parting message, everybody, to leave listeners that are tuning in to the podcast, what would you kind of say? Maybe just kind of reflecting on your experience. Like, how how have you felt about this work, having done this now for a year and almost a quarter? Yikes. I would say from... Yikes? Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. I would say from... (laughs) I've felt that way at times. That's okay. From the the classroom teacher perspective, I would say give yourself a swift kick and remind yourself that you are capable and 
give up some of the control if you're a control freak uh, because you will be surprised at how much the kids can do even when you don't think they're capable at that point. I would say from the collaborator standpoint, my advice to get off the ground is to design systems that are going to support your teachers and give them different levels that they can aspire to. I would also say to keep in mind that those systems are going to need to be revised because once you get different formats set and get things rolling, you're going to find the hiccups that you can iron out. Yeah, which is also true of traditional education as well, or anytime yeah. you try to be intentional about revamping anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, nice job. I think being forgiving is a really important thing to bring up. Katie, what would you impart? Um, thinking about speaking to the fellow coaches, collaborators out there, one thing that I think is super important and that I always keep in the front of my brain when I sit down with a teacher is that the teacher really needs to be the person that creates and designs whatever it is that they want to implement because if they are the owners of whatever it is that, that maybe you're helping to create, but they're directing you and how they want it to be created, then they will take ownership and be much more likely to, to use it. I found that to be very helpful and that teachers have, for example, there's a novel unit that a teacher did with me last year that I couldn't explain if I tried because it was so intricate. I helped her create it and I did some of the tech work behind the scenes, but really it was 100% her design and therefore it was that much more successful. She's able to take ownership of it. And, Absolutely. And uh, now she's going around and talk, telling other teachers about it, and she's the one talking about it. I had sixth grade teachers here at Westbrook ask me about it, and I was like, I need to get Camille over here because me explaining <laughs> it's not nearly going to be as, as effective as her telling you how it worked. So. Yeah. And so we, and we also shared that story. So if you want to check out Camille's mm-hmm. podcast, you can dip back through the intermediate tab yeah, on our website, and, we can, and you can listen to that. So to kind of close things out, I, I'm just going to echo what I heard from both my teammates here. I know it's maybe me punting, but... I totally agree with Katie that oftentimes when I sit down for collaboration uh, and listen to what the teacher is either struggling with or envisions or just has a bunch of ideas and doesn't have a whole lot of direction, uh, I'll listen and I'll listen and I'll listen and then they'll turn and look at me as if I'm supposed to have answers and I oftentimes have to say, no, no, I have like 10 ideas right now. It's not that I don't have any, but I need you to continue to talk because this is not going to be something that I you know, necessarily want to drive. Like I want to hear exactly where it is that you'd like to go before I try to just share some things that could potentially come around what you want to do. Exactly. Uh, and I, I, you have to resist the temptation to jump in and throw at them the one thing or two things that you believe that they're trying to get done because with that patience, you'll, I oftentimes find that they have an idea that I just maybe didn't understand in full yet um, that does, as you mentioned, that becomes so much more successful because they've arrived at it on their own and they're going to see it through because they're energized by that. They're excited. Right. Um, and our job is to kind of help maybe as we're listening to help reinforce what they're saying. So sometimes, you know, you say things back to them that they just said, and then when they hear it, it sounds more clear to them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that helps to clarify the thinking as well, just to have us there to listen. Yeah. And how do you facilitate choice or pace mm-hmm. or these different aspects in the midst of what they already see as being a need or a direction that they'd like for their class to go? Uh, and I'm, Really, with Kristen also, and just the the thought that, you know, from a, let's just put students to the front, and how do we start to shift some of that focus of giving over some of that control that we tend to sometimes have as educators? It's safe. It's a really comfortable place to be when you're the one standing at the front talking most of the time, and can just tell them, hey, do this one worksheet, and I have all the answers already, like, you know, uh, off to the side, and so um, there's practice problems that I've done all day long, and and there's, there's a comfort to that that this kind of organized chaos oftentimes can be born out of a personalized environment 
that you it takes an adjustment um, and a shift in how you see your role in supporting students. Uh, and really, it, it focuses so much on developing learner agency, uh, which we talk about in our training a little bit, that as you start to try to find more learning experiences that accentuate that aspect of uh, the learning process, that's really where it needs to go. And it's been awesome to like promote that, I feel like, over the course of the last year and a quarter now. So, teammates, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you guys getting a chance to share our, our collective work here. And uh, we'll have to do this again maybe at the end of the year once we've kind of wrapped up a reflection. Yeah, our two-year time. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside sixty-six. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.